What is going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the show, man. Live on two channels. Philly Take with RB, running back Philly. We got the guys in the house, man. The best doing it. Sean Bernard, DJ Eastwood, Harrison Grimm. Fellas, we got a big series coming up, man. And I can't wait to break it down. We've been bringing a bunch of guests on. I can't wait to hear. I feel like, uh, you know, we're bringing some insight to the table tonight, man. And I want to I want to hear from you guys. Are the Sixers going to win this series? Let us know in the chat, man. Wherever you guys are watching, drop a like, a subscribe. Show some love to the boys. How's everybody feeling, man? Not awful, I'll say. Uh, I mean, not not as good as I would like to be feeling heading into a first-round series, I'll put it that way. Uh, the more I get into this Toronto Raptors team, they're the real deal. They got a lot of scary weapons, uh, do a lot of things very well, great identity. But Sixers still have the edge, star power. It gives me hope. And I'm ready for basketball to pick back up again, man. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Sixers team, you know, it, there's a lot to be excited about. You got the Joel and, and James Harden dynamic, and we've seen it. We've seen games where James has looked incredible. We've seen games where he's struggled. I'm really optimistic that James is going to come off to, to a great start this series. He's got a week off of rest, and we saw just kind of how great he can be with a little bit of rest. So I think James is going to get off to a great start. Obviously, Toronto, Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach. They got a great starting five, so it's not going to be an easy series, but I am optimistic for sure. I like the positivity, guys. I like it. Um, this, 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 man, this, not the first round matchup that I wanted, but um, the Sixers having the deficiencies that they have still have more star power and should be able to pull it off in a seven game series. But I think anybody that's expecting this to be easy is not paying attention because they have. Everything that we are bad at, yeah, they have. So it's going to be a dogfight, but might be you know if 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 we make it all the way through the Eastern Conference, this might end up being the toughest series of the of the whole thing. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that if the Sixers go and win this series, they have Miami, and it's almost a question that I can pose: Would you rather play Toronto and then Miami, two teams that Joel has struggled against before? But I mean, are they as strong as Milwaukee and and Brooklyn and Boston? Like I. This might even be a blessing in disguise if we can win this first-round series. It's going to be interesting. And I remember a collab that DJ and I did earlier this year, and I said, I don't want Toronto, man. Nobody was talking about this team. I And they don't have that firepower, right? But they they just have that grit, and they have Nick Nurse, and they're going to be pests. They're going to be annoying. And I think this is going to be a really good series. Some people are saying Sixers in five. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, man. I think it's, it's going to be a uh, – Back and forth, a duel, man. And everybody's got to step up. And Doc Rivers needs to step up. And we'll get into it more, man. Um, but what do you guys think overall about uh, just where we are at at this point? Like, obviously, we've kind of struggled the last couple weeks, right? And, you know, some games we feel like we're going to go to the championship. And some games we feel like, what is this team anymore, right? So uh, we'll start with Harrison. Uh, where You know, where do you feel like this team is at at this point are you confident in these guys after a week of rest to come out here and uh and get it done i think i'm more confident than i would be with without the rest i think james has shown that he has possibly lost the step so having that week off it, it's really going to get him on a really strong starting note and if you look not just this season when he first joined the sixers but 
even before that, where, where he has a week or two of rest, he always comes out of the gates just hot. So I expect that early on from James Harden. I, I think that, you know, any team with Joel Embiid and James Harden, this, the, there is no ceiling to it. So I'm optimistic when it comes to this. I feel good about where the team is. Obviously, Thibault's absence, I, I saw someone mention it in the comments, that's going to play a factor into it. And, you know, there's some parts about this team that I am concerned about. Which version of Tobias Harris are we going to get? We've seen him get off to really good starts and then just kind of go ghost. So can he stay engaged throughout the game? Obviously, the Sixers' depth is a concern. Uh, most specifically on the wing, you're relying on an older Danny Green. And he's someone that, you know, uh, towards the end of the season, he really showed like he looked like last year's Danny Green, which was a, a capable role player. Uh, so he's going to be relied upon. Uh, also, guys like Shake Milton, he seems like he's finally found his footing a little bit. So all of these factors are going to contribute into whether or not the Sixers are successful um, in this series. And, and that's not even talking about the backup center situation, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually. <laughs> yeah, to touch up on that, I mean, NBA at the end of the day is still a star-driven league. And having Joel Embiid and James Harden is a major advantage for the Sixers. Uh, the Raptors, as deep as they are, as many good players as they have, they don't come near that top-level talent. And that's a, a huge point in the Sixers' favor. What the Raptors do do schematically is they double extremely well. They're, they have a ton of length. Uh, 11 of their 17 rostered players are between 6'7 and 6'9. They just get in passing lanes, deflections, uh, second in offensive rebounding, second in for, uh, forced turnovers, third in fast break points. Those are all things that do not look good from the Sixers' end. But when looking at what the Sixers do need to do is they're going to need guys outside of Embiid and Harden to step up. When it gets to the half-court sets, Embiid, the Raptors, probably as well, if not the best of any team in the league, are effective in the way they double. And they either fake a double or real deal double on just about every single possession. Embiid has to make the right reads on his passing. A lot of it's gonna, that's going to play a major role. And the complementary players, the Danny Greens, the George Niangs, the Tobias Harris, they have to be willing to, uh, willing shooters and ready to knock it down. So I think there's going to be a lot uh, made up uh, on the line with that. It comes down to Joel not going to full hero ball mode, but he also obviously has to get his. And the players on the outsides have to be ready to step up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And But I want to add, I think – I think a, a major part of this comes down to what version of James Harden we get. And uh, and yeah. Harrison, you're making me feel good about the week of rest and what he's looked like in the past with a week of rest. And he just looked, those past couple of games, he just looked so worn down, like hardly getting off the floor at all. And, you know, the, these athletes on Toronto's team are probably the the worst type of defense you would want him to go up against when he's looking like that. Um and in some of those plays in that last Raptors game where he just, you know, tried to take a guy off the dribble and threw it off the bottom of the backboard and hardly, hardly got anywhere. Um, I really hope that week arrest, uh, you know, if we get that, if we get that James Harden from the first three or four games when he was on this team, it's a different story. So to me, that's, that's probably a, a major selling point to like, you know, how, how the Sixers take this series is the, the, the performance of, of James Harden straight up because when he's not, when he's looking like he did recently, they almost start to go under screens. They almost start to back off a little bit and that's getting scary. That's getting scary because then we're right back to Joel getting triple teamed, 
you know, off the tip. But I do think we're going to get a better version of James Harden than we've seen in the past couple of games. And him and Joel together should be enough. Even if we get – we'll have ups and downs. There's going to be some games in this series that are ugly for sure. I expect a game or two that's so ugly the Sixers fans completely write the team off on Twitter. You know how they do. Uh, but, you know, Sixers in six at the end of the day. But it's it's not going to be pretty – a couple of these games. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. <clears throat> I think James Harden is the X factor this series, and it's just an unknown. Like, which Harden are we going to get? And I would agree with uh, Harrison as well, because I've been saying too, like, you know, Harden had a couple weeks of rest, and he came out looking like, like we thought, I mean, the way we were talking about this team after five games, it was like, that was the version of Harden we needed. And I'm actually going to go on top of that a little bit and say, you know, I don't think we need, like, 30 point James Harden. I don't. I just think, you know, you got to be able to hit your wide open shots, man. Because let me tell you what, Raptors fans, Joel Embiid, this is not the same Joel Embiid from a couple years ago. This isn't the same Joel from last year. This is a scary Joel Embiid and all this fuel being thrown into the fire, right? Not winning MVP, most likely again, the first team. Joel is about to take it to another level. I have no question Joel's going to avenge his demons. Harden just has to be good. He doesn't have to be great, in my opinion. And you need other, like, one of the big keys for me this series is the Sixers have to be multidimensional. How many times do we play the Raptors and we go, you know, I keep getting flashbacks from game seven, right? Dribble handoffs in the corner in crunch time. Like, it, you knew what was coming, man. You you cannot go, like Sean said, solely on Joel Embiid. You have to keep Maxi involved, engaged. Can't send him to the corner. It's a bias, right? We have about three different pick-and-roll combinations that can work. Maxi Tobias, Arden Embiid, Maxi Embiid. Pick-and-roll is what works for us, man. We need to stick with it. Um, and that's also on Doc to get these guys in the right situations. But everybody's going to have to step up. Joel's going to lead lead the squad. Arden doesn't have to be great, in my opinion, and he cannot force shots in crunch time. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I do want to say about Harden is as much as he has struggled toward the end of the series – the biggest role that he plays with this team is still as a playmaker, and he's done that very at a very high level. He's still run the offense incredibly efficiently, made the right reads for most of the time. Now, granted, they will need the shots to fall at a higher rate. There has to be some sort of uh, better percentage, some sort of mid-range game, some sort of floater uh, or touch around the rim that has not been there. But like, as far as just running the offense, making the right reads, that's going to come down uh, that's going to be crucial in the series with all the different defensive looks the Raptors uh, will be throwing at the Sixers, and I do trust Harden to do that. I also, all the clips coming out from practice of him working on the catch and shoot, I absolutely love seeing that because that's something that if he can start getting more uh, comfortable just purely off a of catch and shoot and not have to do the step back on every single shot, which he he looks widely more comfortable doing it off the step back than off the catch and shoot, that would make a major difference in the Sixers offense. If there can be a kick out to Harden and just a smooth jumper right after, that changes a lot. Yeah, I agree 100%. Let's get to uh, these two donations. Shout out to Seth. He says, uh, what does anybody think about Danny Green should start? Um I guess we'll go around. I mean, I, I believe Danny Green should start. Yeah. Um, and actually, we're, we're going to get to some X factors. I'll give you a hint right now. I think Danny could actually be an X factor, as crazy as it sounds, right? He kind of knows some of the tendencies of the Raptors being with that squad. Um, and he's been knocking down his shot. We don't need him to be great either, but just fill the role, right? And I think Thibel got to a point where it just dried out too much. Like, you just can't start Matisse Thibel. He won't shoot. It's like... I don't want to say it, but it's it's kind of like having another Ben in the playoffs, right? If he's not going to shoot, he won't shoot. 
Um, I got, you know, I say we start Danny Green game one. And I don't know why it took so long, but here we are. Yeah. I, I Go ahead, Harrison. Yeah, I, th- I think the Sixers approached the whole Matisse versus Danny thing because it's a lot easier to go from Thibel to Danny than it is to go from Danny to Thibel. Danny, you can plug him in. He's going to fit with anyone. Thibel, not so much based off of off of his offensive limitations. So I, I think that was the right approach by the Sixers. But yeah, I, I agree. I do think Danny should start, especially with the whole Thibel vaccination situation. You know, he's going to be in and out of the lineup. You want to build that continuity and chemistry. And like I said, Danny is the model, the, the poster boy for an NBA role player. So you can plug him in anywhere with any lineup. He's, he knows what his role is on, on most nights. Um, so I, I definitely think that starting Danny is the way to go, at least with this series. Yeah, I agree. I think this Raptors team is not just what you don't necessarily want James Harden to go up against with what he was looking like recently. You don't want Dan, uh, uh, Nick Nurse is such a good defensive coach and has such good defensive players on his team. The last game, like the first minute of the game, they weren't even close to Matisse Thibel. They didn't even consider even looking at him. Like there are other teams back off. Nick Nurse was like, don't even look at him. And he, and he, you know, and he airballed one of them. Then there was nobody within 15 feet of him. And he started the game and only played 20 minutes because it became obvious very quickly that he's just, if he's making threes, it's one thing. Once in a blue moon, he's making them. But, yeah. I mean, they're just – that's an easy, you know, bad spacing, double teams, things like that because it's just not a threat in half court. Yeah, I think there's been a little bit too much made about the the Matisse not being able to travel thing just because I don't think this is a series for Matisse Thibault. Like, this is – obviously, they will be needed. He will be needed in spurts when, like, Fred Van Fleet gets it going and throw a change up at him and that type of thing. But this is a Danny Green series for sure. Uh, it's uh, the Raptors are going to heavily throw doubles at Embiid and Harden, and we have to have guys that can capitalize on those open threes. If Thibault is playing extended minutes, just like DJ just said, like they're going to live and die by having him shoot as much as he wants, and he's not going to want to shoot very much. So that's not going to be the tactic that works. Danny Green's a guy who will absolutely be willing to chuck it up and connect on a much higher rate. So, I mean, Danny Green has all the momentum coming out of the, re- the end of the regular season. Uh, it's been a frustrating season for Danny in terms of injuries, been out of the lineup a great deal. But at the same time, we just need one playoff push of the best version of Danny Green, and he's a super helpful uh, player to this team. Yeah, I agree 100%. Shout out to Seth. Says, what up, guys? Great collab. Tough series ahead. I agree. Uh, shout out to everybody watching 235 in the house. Hit that like wherever you're watching. Subscribe. All these guys do great work. Uh, Sean and Harrison and DJ follow all of us on Twitter as well. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go around yeah. and uh, let, let's let's each give a key to this series. Like, you know, if you have like a pile or a list of a couple keys in your head, like when it comes down to it, what is one thing you are looking for that you think will make the difference in this series? Um, Sean, go ahead. You can start. Uh, my first one I'm going to go with is Tyrese Maxey being involved uh, because of the way they scheme defensively. So heavily focused on Embiid and Harden. Maxi cannot be a guy that's forgotten about in the Sixers end. He's not a guy. He's more valuable than a guy that just stands in the corner and spaces the floor. He's a guy that can put it on the floor. He has a, he's probably the only guy on the Sixers team that I believe has the burst to blow by these 
Raptors defenders. And attacking and kicking is something that needs to continually be happening. So if James Harden is being swallowed up on the perimeter, which is absolutely a possibility because of just how lengthy and just how just what solid defenders this Raptor team is made of, then Tyrese Maxey has to be the guy to do that. And I know there's a there's already been so much thrown on this kid's shoulders at such a quick rate and at such a young age, but he's proved capable every step of the way. And I, I need to see that in this series. I, I think there's a pretty likely chance that Maxey could end up outscoring Harden in this series. Mm. I take already. <laughs> Let's go, uh-huh. man. I agree with that. I think I think Maxi could definitely outscore Harden in this series because of, like you said, how Toronto is probably going to play defense. Um, and yeah, we have to have a plan for we have to have a plan for Tyrese Maxi. And you know, uh, another key of mine is like we run the pick and roll, and it's it's lethal. But the Raptors went zone last game pretty quickly, and yeah. we haven't really seemed to have an answer for that this entire season. Um, it, we, when team goes zone and does it well, we seem to just not have an answer and just say, okay, what do we do now? We're ISO ball, you know, and then it turns into ISO ball. And unfortunately, James Harden is not as elite as he used to be at ISO ball, especially against players like, like, uh, you know, precious Achua and those guys, uh, do we have an answer for the zone? That's, that's my first thing. And I just think like what I saw the nets do in that, in that, uh, in that play in game, when they really started to double Kyrie and, and Durant every single possession they had a plan b it was bruce brown right at the free throw line and you know they 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 made the defense make a decision there and it was either a lob or him getting a floater off so i would love to see a plan for tyrese maxi similar to something like that like when it's not working where's the plan b i want to see that from doc rivers yeah so when when i think of this series i think there's two areas that are, are big question marks for me the first of which is defensive matchups you're going to be without your best perimeter defender. So how are you going to match up with this team? You're going to ultimately have one of Maxi or Harden chasing around Gary Trent Jr. or Fred Van Fleet. So who is it going to be? Um, and then also when they go to the bench, there's going to be games without Thibel. So you're going to need to call upon someone like Ferkins, maybe even Isaiah Joe. It's going to be one of those two guys because it's not going to be Jaden Springer. So who is it going to be? And then also the backup center situation. If Doc rolls out DeAndre Jordan against his team, I'm not really sure what I'm going to think. Because while the Raptors are lengthy, they aren't necessarily big. Their tallest players are all six foot nine, which is the same height as Paul Reed. So there, there's not a scenario or world outside of maybe getting an offensive or getting a rebound off of a free throw that DeAndre Jordan should be in a game in this series. So how well can Paul Reed play if he actually gets on the floor? Yeah, all great points. I actually want before I give mine, I want to add on to that. Uh, you know what's funny about that is that Doc Rivers just saw a week ago that it works with Paul Reed against Toronto, you know, and then he wants to come out and, and act like you know, so stubborn as if you know it, it's such a decision. I've never gotten a bigger Greg Monroe flashback in my life. Like DeAndre Jordan, like the same exact thing will happen with Greg Monroe. I can already see it. Um, yeah. Paul Reed is the obvious choice. Doc needs to get it done. That's actually, you know, one of my areas. Um, And as bad as it sounds, like, I'm not even saying Doc has to be good because I know he's not going to be good, but just don't get embarrassed. You know, don't roll out a 10-man uh, rotation, right? Don't put an all-bench lineup. If there's an all-bench lineup, we can kiss this goodbye, man. I, you have to learn from last year. I mean, it, it really burned us bad in a couple games, and you saw what happened. Um, 
Doc just cannot get embarrassed. And <laughs> either way, I think I'm done with him. But I don't know. We'll see what happens, man. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I think tempo is going to be a huge thing in this series. And I think it's a very underrated part, right? You know what the Raps are going to do. They're going to do what the Hawks did to us last year in game one. They're going to come out and punch us in the mouth. And they're going to try to speed things up, right? A lot of switches. They're going to try to make us uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is the best word I can use to describe what Nick Nurse does to the Sixers. How will the Sixers avoid getting flustered, right? I don't want to see a four-minute stretch where it's just running through Joel or just running through James. And, you know, those 9-0 runs where we, we lose a lead just like that. How will the Sixers kind of not play into the Raptors game but kind of dominate the floor? I think is going to be a huge thing. And I think you do that by, one, spreading the wealth, two, uh, you know, calling timeouts when needed and, and just not playing into what Nick Nurse is going to do. And I'll tell you what he's going to do. One more thing. He's going to let Joel go off in the first quarter. Watch. He's going to let him get a rhythm, and then he's going to attack. And he's going to be like, all right, you beat me. You beat me. I can see it coming already, man. Mm-hmm. Man, I think I think if if Doc puts DeAndre Jordan on the floor as the first substitution when Joel Embiid goes out, you're going to hear the louder – you're going to hear the loudest boos – Next to Ben Simmons possibly ever stepping on this floor again. That arena is our. They were chanting Paul Reed the last game. These Philly fans know what's going on. This is not, you know what I mean. That's why we love Philly so much. They they know what's going on. This will not be good for Doc Rivers if he even considers if DeAndre Jordan steps on the floor. I mean, I it's going to be entertaining what it sounds like on the broadcast, but it's the fans are going to be irate. Yeah. That- there's no logical reason why uh, DeAndre Jordan should be subbed in as the backup center. I mean, there can't be like a clear matchup advantage for Paul Reed in this situation. This is his type of game. Like Paul Reed would make an awesome Toronto Raptor, to be honest. He's exactly what they do in terms of the length, the weirdness, the like that. That is who Paul Reed is, and it's a, it's a perfect match to play him. With that all being said, like I don't have full confidence that he is going to be the guy coming off the bench. Like I think there's a real chance that. Doc has his heels so dug in on this that DeAndre Jordan being the backup center that he still gets a, a chance. And I, I agree they will be Greg Monroe like numbers. Also, side note, it's crazy that Greg Monroe is only 31 years old and still in the NBA. But DeAndre Jordan, I think, could be even worse than that. And uh, I, it, they absolutely could lose a game just based on those minutes, as has been seen in the past. And I mean, everybody can see it coming. I, I still am totally up on the air and what I actually think is going to happen. I agree. And just just for the record, Paul Reed would be a starter on the Raptors. I'm just going to say it right out. He'd be the starting center on the Raptors. <laughs> We're starting whatever. Small ball lineup. Yeah. It, it is mind-boggling to me that we even have to, like, have this conversation at this <laughs> juncture in the season after, like, a very healthy sample size, probably too healthy sample size of DeAndre Jordan. And, like, listen, like, I, I do think that maybe people are too high on Paul Reed, myself included. But, you know, like, Paul Reed does make mistakes. He's foul prone. He, he doesn't do some things right, but he does more things good than DeAndre Jordan does. And it's just, it's, it's crazy that, like, we're even having this discussion. And it might even be a possibility. Like, I, I don't. I'm not, I I try not to be too hard on Doc because I do think he does some things well. Obviously, there's things that he doesn't do well, but like it it just boggles my mind that we even have to talk about this. Yeah. And uh, real quick on the fouls thing, 
like I am absolutely okay with Paul Reed using any every foul he had. Like I, in the long term, that's obviously something he has to work on. But for this series specifically, like Paul Reed should not be playing enough minutes to where this is a concern. Like at the most, we're exactly. asking for like ten to twelve minutes from this guy at the absolute most for that Joel is not on the court. So in that time, use up your six fouls. And you know what? Like if he does foul out, then Doc, you get to play your guy. Like then you get to show us why DeAndre Jordan is the the right option so i i would rather go down with paul reed playing his ass off and doing his thing and just being active for every second he's on the court than uh sleepwalking through some deandre jordan minutes so while that is like a concern long term to me it doesn't it shouldn't impact the decision in this series whatsoever well this this is a coach that said out loud uh the backup center getting in foul trouble could swing a playoff game the backup center getting in foul trouble could swing a playoff game the same coach that thought Paul Millsap could guard Giannis and Tedakumbo <laughs> and watched it be a disaster and let it happen for nine straight minutes, giving up 17 straight points. And I, the, I have zero faith in this coach to make the right decision. I just hope that the fans and the media keep hounding him enough or somebody in the background, maybe, maybe somebody in the organization, maybe they started saying like, listen, doc, you're like, you got to play Paul. Like, okay, we understand you're in charge here, but this ain't working. Yeah, and one key stat, the Raptors are second in the league in offensive rebounding. Sixers are at the bottom. So, I mean, you know, Reed's going to come right in and bring that energy, man. We need it. We That's why it's so obvious. It. Yeah. You're terrible yeah. at rebounding, and he's a great rebounder. I mean, this is yeah. not that hard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's read a couple donations. KB, shout out to you for the donation. says, how big will Thibault not playing on the road be? I think it's going to be huge, man. Um like we were alluding to earlier, just some of these matchups, man, they're, they're not looking good on paper. I'll tell you that. And not having Thibel for a couple games, like I feel like Thibel can be like a spark plug when we need him to be, you know, and not having that off the bench defensively. I think, I think it'll hurt, man. Um, we got Ryland with the two, uh, 79 super chests. Uh, will the raps make the conference finals if they win this series? So will they beat, I guess, Miami? What do you guys think? <laughs> No. That's also. No. I don't know if the conference yeah. finals ready. Maybe next year, but I don't know about no. this. Year. I, I would no. lean towards no, just based off of the bench. My Miami has a great starting group, and and their bench is just much much more deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Shot Toronto, to... Toronto's just not going to shoot the way that they shot in that last game against us. People have you know people have recency bias, and they think that that's that last game is what it's going to look like. I mean, come on, like Precious Achua was seven for 11, was five for seven from three. He was pulling up ten, five feet behind the line like Kevin Durant. It's not going to happen again. It's definitely not going to happen enough in a seven-game series. And that's against us. It's, it wouldn't happen against Miami. I have no, no. It's kind of Boucher. I will yeah. say Chris Boucher is a guy that the Sixers absolutely need to yes. pay more attention to. Uh, just a notable, every time Sixers killer uh, tends to just drop multiple three-pointers every time we play him. So, that's a guy we just can't leave alone in the way that it has been in the past. Yeah, it's kind of bad that I'm expecting somebody to just have a career game in, in like game one or two against the Sixers, man. And <laughs> we got to put a clamp on him, man. Seth with the $2 donation. Shout out to my man. says, please not dork Miles. Give me Isaiah Joe, Mud Reed, or Shake. Don't know, man. Shake's another like X factor in my opinion. Like, you know, my thing with Shake is like sometimes he comes out so aggressive and it's like, all right, he's going to give you a 10 off the bench. Then sometimes it's like, did Shake Milton play tonight? Eight minutes. What did he do? Like, <laughs> you got to be on it, man. And I just don't know. I 
I'm I'm a little worried about the bench. Even Niang's been having a little like I, I don't know if it's like knee soreness or something that's kind of been, you know, limiting him a little bit, but I think he'll be ready to go and he'll take the big shot. At least he will take it and, and live with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and it's definitely better than Mike Scott. Uh <laughs> Dom with the two dollar donation says, please don't have swipe a clown on the stream again. I don't know where DJ went, man. I don't know where he went. He left. He left. Gombo with the $2 donation says, I thought Monroe was like 40 when he was a sixer. Me too. I thought he was old, man. Yeah. Somehow still in the he league, 31 like years old. Yeah. Legends never die, man. Legends never <laughs> die. Uh, to touch on the the Shake point, I do think Shake is a guy that will get a bump as a result of the Bible being out. He's been playing his best basketball of late. Uh, the best version of Shake Milton is a super useful player in the Sixers offense and, and the Sixers team. There's going to be need, need to be a guy that spells Maxi as well, and I think that could also be Shake's role. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, we're not asking for any sort of serious minutes, but uh, a quick like six minutes here, or a quick stretch, that could help the team. And the way he has been shooting, the way he has been uh, – and as a passer, he's taken some steps in racing games. I've noticed a ton too. So there are things to like in Shake's game, especially recently. And uh, if he can add to the playoffs, it would help the Sixers a great deal. Yeah, I, have a, I actually have a question to ask you guys about the bench. Uh, shout out to Petey, though, with the $2 donations. Great takes from everybody. Let's go. And we have Mr. Roddy with a $5 donation. Says, Paul Reed's literally Denver Nuggets. JaVale shows flashes, but is always a Shackton candidate. Opposing team <laughs> broadcast always ask why he doesn't get playing time. He's still I mean, really, yeah, he like you know a player like that. You throw in like seven minutes in an entire season, he's not going to look great. I mean, he doesn't he hasn't even had time to adjust the NBA speed or anything like that. And Doc doesn't help him out by not playing him for three months and then all right, Paul, it's your turn now. Like you know, the guy yeah. he's out there shouldering people. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going on the hill that he's a perfect player, but I will go out on the hill that he's better than DeAndre Jordan is where my heels are dug in. He's going to give that energy, man. He's going to give that energy. Um, talking about the bench, though, realistically speaking, like if you guys could go around and quickly tell me, like how many, like what is the rotation going to be like? Like, do we run out of eight man rotation? Is Doc just going to go with a 10 man rotation? Like, I don't think he has the assets to do that again. But then again, I don't know because it's Doc Rivers. Like, <laughs> I, I think we should be somewhere around an eight man rotation, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, you know, you got – so just going off of – you're going to be using different rotations because Thibel is going to be in and out. So someone's going to have to fill in. So for the games without Thibel, with Danny starting, you're probably going to be looking at definitely Niang, Shake, maybe Isaiah, Joe, or Firkin, and then Paul Reed. So you got I, – I think obviously it's the postseason. You're going to shorten your rotation, but at the same time, you don't want to burn Joel and James out in this round one series. And it's going to be hard, but you do have to keep that in the back of your mind. So on, on those nights without Thibel, I think that's what the rotation is going to be like. Um, obviously, when Thibel's in, he's going to be the the ninth or the eighth guy or whatever. So I, I think those are kind of your core group. And it, DeAndre Jordan, like... <laughs> I'm still I'm still on this, but I swear DeAndre Jordan better better not be going to the scorer's table. <laughs> I, I think he will too. Like I, I really think there's at least a game where he gets subbed in and the doc gives him a run. And oh, it's he just is. He is. yeah. I feel like it's more likely than not, unfortunately. As far as like the the rotation as a whole, the thing that I would like to see from Doc Rivers is since he's gotten here, he's been very unit based in his substitutions. 
there has to be a more free flowing uh, approach with just as far as spelling guys. Don't be so tied to like these guys play together. Just like, like if it's as simple as slide out James Harden and play like shake Milton for a few minutes, even if that's not like a lineup that they've practiced with, like keep the core of the team more intact and use this. It's got to be used more for rest rather than uh, just planning out unit wise. And that's been, a, it's been better since James Harden has been here. I will say that. And I will give doc credit for that. And obviously it's, Harden is a difference maker in substitutions, so it makes sense. But that's something that I think should be paid attention to. Yeah. You know, will will he keep Harden or Embiid on the floor at all times? I think that's another interesting question. Are you, or is he going to roll out a lineup with Tobias and a couple bench guys? Like, all these things matter, man. All these right. things matter. If it's not one of those two, it has to be Maxi out there. You know, mm -hmm. with the, with the, you have to have a creator on the floor. You can't have yeah. Tobias out there isoing in, in the end of the third quarter and stuff. And, and speaking of the rotations, you know, without Thibel, if if you're talking about Corkmaz uh, uh, versus Isaiah Joe, I see absolutely no way in reality that Doc Rivers calls Isaiah Joe's number just because yeah. in the playoffs, Doc is just – there's just no way he's going to do that. I wish he would. I think Isaiah Joe has potential, uh, but he would definitely, in my opinion, go with Furkan Korkmaz. And then at that point, it's like, are we going to get the guy that makes shots or are we going to get the guy that – misses shots because he's just decent when he makes them and horrible when he misses them. Doesn't really offer a whole lot outside of that. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, free with the $2 donation says, thank God you guys have doc rivers as your coach. <laughs> After fan tuning in Rasan with the $2 donation says we're sweeping them or a gentleman sweep to these bums. Sixers fan. All right. I like the confidence. <laughs> I can't say I'm as confident, um, but I like it, man. And uh, we got 375 in the house. Shout out to everybody watching, man. Definitely support all these guys up here. Before we get into our predictions, I want to go around and I want everybody to give me the one matchup that they're looking specifically at where it's like, you know, like th this could be a decider or maybe it's just a matchup you're interested in. Like, I I'm interested to hear what you guys say. DJ, you go ahead. Start it off, man. I mean, the main matchup for me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it over and over. It's James Harden versus Toronto's just defensive players. I, I don't know about a specific one-on-one -on -one matchup. I don't think I've actually put that much thought into it. But to me, the deciding factor is, 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 is James going to look like a, a 20 and 10 player or is he going to look like a, you know, three for 17, uh, six turnovers, uh, turnovers, which happen to be in the worst part of a game, um, to me, that's that's just the major matchup is James Harden versus these athletes because he's just looked so slow and unathletic lately that they will eat him alive, especially if he gets in situations where he's trying to beat somebody off the dribble. Um, but again, with a week of rest, maybe he's laying around getting that hamstring massaged every day, icing it. Maybe he's gonna, maybe he'll look a little bit different. Um, and I hope he does because if he if he does, it's a different game. I think it's a totally different game if we have that 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 first that honeymoon phase James Harden that we had I think it's a totally different game and, and and if it is a lot of these games could be just not even close Sixers could win 4-1 if that happens but you know it's it to me it's all about what James Harden looks like outside of a lot of other x factors but that's probably the major one in my my book mm -hmm. yeah and I think uh Scotty Barnes is probably going to be the guy guarding James Harden that's who took the bulk of the load when they faced the Raptors in the regular season uh, Scotty Barnes, terrific defender, very impressive young guy, guy I really like, and uh, not an easy guy to shake at all. Uh, as far as the matchup that I, I, I wouldn't even fully call it a matchup, but it's the transition battle in my mind that I think is 
absolutely where the game can be won or lost. This entire Raptors roster is basically guys that can get a rebound and push it the pace, push the pace themselves. They everybody's a ball handler. Everybody pushes. Their transition is awesome. The Raptors are super effective in the way they run, and that's one of the Sixers' biggest weaknesses. So, offensive rebounding and transition are two of the Sixers' biggest weaknesses and two of the Raptors' biggest strengths, which doesn't match up well. If they're able to get out and running, they're they're going to be pushing the tempo and controlling this game, and that's not a position the Sixers uh, will survive in. Yeah, so I, I think that when you look at this series, you automatically got to look at the two best players on both sides. In this instance, it's Joel Embiid and Pascal Siakam. And Siakam, I'm, I'm going to give some Raptors praise for the Raptors fans in here, but Siakam's had an incredible season. Um, and in my opinion, an underrated one. He's undoubtedly an all-NBA caliber player now. Um, and we saw that when the Sixers last matched up. Now, he's not going to go for 30-10-10 every game. Uh, that's just not feasible. But this is a guy that's really improved his playmaking ability, uh, has become a very, very capable shooter. So that that's going to be a really interesting matchup. Obviously, you got to get offensive production out of Joel Embiid, but at the same time, you got to limit Siakam. And your best bet at that is probably Joel Embiid. Uh, Paul Reed's probably a close second in that, but obviously he's foul prone. So who knows if if that's even feasible. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting see to play. That's going to be an interesting thing to see play out. You can't put Tobias Harris on Pascal Siakam. He's going to make him look silly. So how do the six How do the Sixers stop Pascal Siakam? And you know, on the flip side, we know how they're going to try to stop Joel Embiid. So that's what I'm looking at for this series. Yeah, my my intriguing matchup is actually Tobias Harris. I want to see who's guarding Tobias, and I want to see who. Um, you know, he's going to be uh, guarding himself. And actually, I would have Harrison. Unfortunately, I see some Tobias on Pascal this series. I don't know why, but I just see Doc going to it and I'm not ready for it. Um, but, you know, Tobias needs to be decisive with the ball, right? If Tobias can give us a couple 18, 20 point games, that would be huge for this team. He's kind of bottomed out a little bit before in the playoffs. And I think he's got something to prove. Uh, we, I'll tell you what, though, we can't have seven point Tobias. That is not going to cut it. Um, he could definitely be an X factor uh, in my eyes. But uh, shout out to Legendary with the $2 donation says, would rather have Niang starting than Danny Red. <laughs> I don't know if you could start Niang, man. I don't know if you could start him. I don't think he's ready for that role yet. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at. And then Juke with the $2 donation says, hey, Sean Wolf here, why can't Doc keep a lead? I wish I had the answer to that. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's he's. It's pretty notorious at this point uh, for it happening. I don't know. I do, just don't have an answer for why it can't be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does, man. But yeah. hopefully, I, I don't know if I can stand a, a couple blown leads in our Sixers Raptors series. I don't know if I can do it again uh, mentally. <laughs> but anyway. Let's get to the predictions, man. Um, who do you guys have? Why? Harrison, take us away, man. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Sixers and Six. I I think it's kind of insane. Either side is like, this is going to be a four-game series. It It is not. There's going to be some really, really ugly games, some very close wins. Uh, I give the Sixers the edge just because of the star power aspect and and not even James Harden, but with Joel Embiid. 
James Harden just has to produce what he's been in the regular season. He's got to be a 20, 10, and 8 guy. Um, you want the shooting percentages to come up a bit, but you look at how far the Sixers got last season with Ben Simmons, who was virtually unplayable for long stretches. So the bar is set so low on what James Harden needs to be. Uh, so I, I, I go with Sixers and six. Um, you could convince me of, of Raptors even winning this series just because they're that good. Um, and they're a matchup nightmare for the Sixers. Uh, but I'm going with Sixers and six. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. It's going to be a bloodbath this series. Like, there's no way this is over easily for either team. I'm going to lock my prediction in at six years and seven just because – and I would not feel great about being in a win- game seven uh, matchup with this Raptors team again. But I think it's going to come down to the wire. The Raptors are absolutely going to steal a couple. And uh, it's going to be a fight either way. Yeah, I, I go sixers and six. Um, I agree. It's going to be a dog fight. Um there's definitely going to be some ugly games. Uh, they're going to give us trouble in a lot of different areas. But at the end of the day, they don't have an answer for Joel Embiid. And I also think you're going to see, everybody's going to see a different level of Joel Embiid in, the, in this series compared to, again, recency bias, what he was doing toward the end of the season. I know he was putting up 30, 35, 40, but how he was playing, to me, he load manages himself during games towards the end of a season, he shoots a lot more threes. He shoots a lot more mid-range jumpers. He doesn't really get too physical in the paint. And I think against these players that don't match up with him size-wise by a mile, he's going to be under the basket every single game, all game. And he's going to be forcing them to either hack him or, I mean, double, triple team. He's going to, he's and he's going to get a lot of free throw calls. And uh, Raptors fans are going to be pretty pissed off about that too when they look at the box score. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot of actual fouls because they're going to be forced to be physical with him. Yeah, I got Sixers and seven. I was very back and forth on it, but at the end of the day, Joel Embiid is the greatest player in the league this year. He should be MVP. Um, he will take us home, man. I this It's not even just this series. There's legacy implications on the line here. Like, he can't go down in the first round. And I think Joel's just going to somehow pull it out. Game seven at home at the Wells Fargo. We remember what happened last year. That can't go down again. That can't happen again. I got Joel. Here's a hot take. I got him going for 42 in game seven. And it's a very sloppy, gritty game. And Joel pulls it out in crunch time, man. 42 points. He might be tired as hell after the series, but I think he leads us to the win, man. And I think it's going to be the best first-round series in in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot on the line for this Sixers team. When you think about, like, a Doc Rivers, uh, all the noise that's kind of going around, the complaints, there, the Lakers rumors, the the writing on the wall. If it's a first round exit, I don't think it's likely he's back with the Sixers next year. When we're talking about Harden and Embiid, both guys that carry a little bit of reputation for wilting in the playoffs, I think it's kind of cool that they get to battle that together and kind of write their own narrative as the two of them. And I I would love for that to happen this year. So if it is a first round exit, while this is the Raptors are a very legitimate team and a brutal matchup for the Sixers. It's still a disaster if they don't get out of the opening round after pretty much going all in this year. No offense, but I, I hope that your prediction of a 40-point MB Game 7 performance, I hope it doesn't come true. I hope it doesn't get to that point because that is going to be a very stressful game. Yeah. Oh, oh, it will be. And the, the reason I say Joel for 42 is because, there. you know, I'm not throwing shade on anybody else, but – 
I feel like Joel is kind of taking in all of the emotions, right? He remembers tears dropping down his face, walking back to that locker room. He remembers last year, you know, how that all played out and, and just pure embarrassment. He remembers his teammate quitting on him. Like, I just see a legacy game from Joel in this series. Like, just putting everything together, even if guys are struggling. And I don't really, you know, I can't really expect much from a Maxi in a game seven as a young guy. I can't expect much from a Tobias. I can't expect much from Doc Rivers. But I I don't think Joel will let us lose this series in a game seven. I don't think he'll let it happen because he's the best player by far in this series. No disrespect to anybody else. He's just that great this year. Completely agree. Yeah. Seth, with the $2 donation, should we play Matisse on Siakam in games when we can? It's a good question. What do you guys think about that? I don't love it. I think Siakam's a little bit bigger than uh, Matisse. I, Matisse is at his best guarding, primarily guards, that he typically has the size advantage over. I think Fred Van Fleet is the the matchup I have circled for Matisse that when he is able to play. And Fred Van Fleet... Uh, I don't think he's gotten enough credit either. He also is coming off a terrific year, did a whole lot for this Raptors team. He had a couple injuries and a uh, difficult turn, but especially early on in the, the season, he's played incredibly well. And a guy who can, one of the best catch and shooters in the NBA, uh, they do a lot with him coming off screens. Uh, a lot of play, they've used Siakam way more as a playmaker and have uh, Fred Van Fleet coming off screens for catch and shoot. They do a lot of looks in offense like that. Matisse is the guy I would like, uh, fighting over screens and scrap around to follow him if I have to pick the matchup. But Siakam, I, I, there's not a, a great matchup on the Sixers team for him. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think another thing is Doc needs to feel the game, right? Like, mm. that's a problem we have. You know, Thibel or, say, a Furkan, right? Furkan comes out and goes 0 for 5 in the first quarter. You got to yank him, man. You can't keep him in. If Thibel's not shooting the ball and he's, you know, 3,000 in the first half, I'm sorry. You can't do it. You have to have that feel as a coach. And I'm, I can't lie to you. I'm a little bit worried about it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the in-game adjustments is one of the biggest frustrations with doc. And that is super crucial in the playoffs. And as much as we've talked about the uh, on-court matchups, as far as players, the Nick Nurse versus Doc Rivers matchup is one that particularly scares me. And Nurse deserves a ton of credit for what a high-level basketball thinker he is. So it's a, a credit to him for what a great coach he is. But there's going to be some in-game adjustments that the Sixers are going to be forced to match, and it's going to be a real difficult task. Yeah, I agree. Duncan with the $5 donation says, I don't mind losing. It happens. But I don't want to lose in the dumbest Doc Rivers kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we if we do lose in this first round, it's going to have a lot to do with the decisions made by Doc Rivers. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, then I would pose the question to you. Like, I mean, I there's a chance that Doc's going either way. To be honest with how he's kind of handling things, I don't I don't think he has the fire anymore as well. Like, just the way he handles his team, I you know the way he answers questions at press conferences, like. You know, just the stubborn. It's like it's more just like a I don't want to be bothered type of feeling. And mm -hmm. I would argue that he might even be gone. But if we if we lose in the first, he's got to be gone, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think so. And there's definitely the thing that frustrates me is like the closed-minded, uh, just kind of out outlook and responses that he has. Like he's very set in his ways. And basketball is a sport that is ever evolving, ever changing. You can you never reach a point where you have peaked in your knowledge. And I think Doc believes that he 
he has. And I think the mm -hmm. Paul Reed issue specifically is pretty much that in a epitome is that that's not what he thinks a backup center should look like. So he refused to give him a chance. And I honestly think that final game performance where Paul Reed went for 25 and played his out of his mind point at AI in the crowd, that was, that was Doc Rivers saying like, I'm about to show you guys why this guy isn't ready to play. And it totally kind of backfired on it. And I think that yep. a lot of the frustrations in the post game was uh, that being shown as well. So the whole connection to Paul Reed specifically, I think is, the whole, I mean, Paul Reed, since he has got to Philadelphia, has been a fan favorite, has been a guy. And I think so much of the it being pointed on Paul Reed is issues beyond just Paul. I think, the, the, I think the, Doc the Rivers whole... is gone either way. I think Doc is gone either way. I really do. I think he's either going to retire or he just doesn't really want to coach in Philly because he can't handle the heat from, from these fans and from this media group and he just he's not even interested he's actually like irritated and angry right when the question comes which should be expected what what question do you think they're going to ask you when paul reed scores 25 points and he's angry at the question I, the guy it, it, it was a good performance though like what was like why couldn't you say he had a good game i don't understand it's not the paul reed he's, victory tour he's coming off as an like an angry eight-year-old that that you know was proven wrong on a playground or something like he just eh, he's a whiny little i can't take him anymore man i really can't i don't think he wants to be here anyway yeah the whole backup center situation is just weird and it's weird when it plays out in in the post-game media where deandre just has awful performances you know single game plus minus you you can't take much for you, you, it's not something you should base a performance on solely, but with DeAndre Jordan, it passes the eye test. Like you can tell the team just looks worse when he's out on the court. He does things that are just questionable on, on both ends, especially defensively, he just coasts. And what, what is he out there to do other than, than catch lobs and protect the rim? And he's not doing one of those things. Occasionally he'll have a nice dunk, but you know, it's just crazy to see these things play out. And, and of course, the media is going to be like, so what's up with the backup center situation? He's like, DeAndre is like been great. And against big teams. <laughs> he's a liar. He's, he's, it's crazy, actually. He's delusional. Yeah. He doesn't even see reality. Yeah. And, and like, listen, I, I guess some of it is probably him just sticking up for his guy. And, and I respect that. It's a coach sticking up for his guy. I don't want to root against DeAndre. He seems like a great person. It's just the year is 2022, and his best years are behind him. Um, and the Sixers need to go in a different route. And while Paul Reed and, and Charles Bazzi might not be the answers for most teams, they're your best bets for this season and, and for the foreseeable yeah. future. Your hope is to grow one of those guys into a, a long-term answer at the backup center spot. So why not start this season instead we waited until the two last games of the season to even give Paul Reed a look. So we're going into the postseason with Paul Reed playing two games, 30 or so minutes and change. And there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. It's it's not even like we expect Paul Reed to be some stud right away, but why not, you know, experiment? Like, why not change and yeah. try something that could work, which at, you know, actually has shown that it could work like, I think that's where the frustration lies with Sixers fans and it's like you know we've been experiencing this for a long time uh which is tough man um I got one more question for you guys and then we'll wrap it up read some of the chat um and it's something I've been thinking about I think it, I want to get your guys takes on it um either way 
if the say the Sixers bottom out, right? Say they lose a series or you know whatever. Doc's gone. Like, ha- have we wasted like the best chance of Joel Embiid, right? Because think about what we gave up at the trade deadline. We got Harden. Hopefully he resigns or you know depending on what Daryl Moore is going to do there, who knows, right? I you know I I reflect and I think you know usually guys when they get to a certain age it's like all right time to win right, but the Sixers had a good chance couple years ago they had a good chance last year and it's like did we waste the best opportunities that we had right because who knows what's going to happen this offseason we got to make the team a lot better are we in the position to do that and I to me I don't know the answer to that and it's it's almost like the pressure is mounting that's a huge thing in this series right Sixers have all the pressure Raptors Mm -hmm. don't really have any so you know is this like a is this a statement series a statement playoffs for the future of this team what do you guys think i'd personally lean towards no on that question just because it is very rare if you look historically it's very rare that a team that makes a huge in-season trade goes on to win the title there's just so much that you have to develop from a chemistry standpoint you have to surround these guys with the right pieces and if you look at this roster they aren't surrounded by the by the best pieces. Tobias has done well at adapting, but let's face it, he's not the perfect fit around Harden and Beat and Maxi. You look down the bench, they're using four roster spots on backup centers. That's obviously not ideal too. So, you know, you got to develop that chemistry. Uh, I think it's getting to that point. I think in a year or two, you can really ask that question, and I think there's some legitimacy to it. But I think it's going to take a half season and then all of next season and the postseason run for this team to really get a feel for each other. The Sixers need to surround these guys with more athletic wings, more three and D talent. Uh, so I wouldn't go that far yet, but in a year or two, ask that question again. And I think it's, it's very much valid. Yeah. I mean, I sat here last season and had the same concern thinking that might've been the best Joel Embiid we ever see. And then he came back and just managed to improve and just about every area of his game and I also would like to say that like while Embiid is obviously phenomenal being the player he is being the ball dominant scorer uh leading the league in scoring all the accomplishments that he's raked up this year I still think there's a very productive Joel Embiid on the when he goes on the decline of his career a guy that can focus a little more defensively still rake up rebounds still score when necessary and have the right supporting cast around him like Embiid plays a winning brand of basketball that I believe if there is like a, a handoff and there's a like the evolution of Tyrese Maxey, if he steps up into like a grade A guy and and beats the power balance kind of shifts where he's not as that guy, I still think that's like a winning formula. Like as far as winning a championship, I think you're still in a pretty good spot in that regard. Yeah, that's a great call, Sean. I like that last point that you made. Um, I'm, I'm going to say no. I think Joel Embiid still has two or three seasons like this season ahead of him. Um, if he's, it's always if he's healthy, but he was healthy this season is the first time we've seen him this healthy and he's absolutely out of this world. So, um, you know, if he remains healthy, I think he has two or three more of these before you really see, start to see him slow down because I think he finally started to concentrate heavily on his everything physically, his diet, his sleep schedule, all everything. Um, and I think he's just the best version of himself. And I think he can be that for three or four more years. Um, I'm going to say yes at the same time because the Sixers have not done the right thing around Joel Embiid 
his entire career so far. And Daryl Morey didn't get to fix it yet, which is, you know, pretty much what Harrison was saying. It's going to take another offseason, another, you know, next season, because Daryl Morey's job was to come in here and do what the Sixers were supposed to do six years ago. You know, if they would have done it right, they in hindsight, it's easy, but you would have drafted for fit versus trying to get another potential superstar in Ben Simmons. You would have drafted somebody that makes more sense. And then they spend five years trying to fit this guy that at the end of the day doesn't fit because he won't spread yeah. the floor. Um, so I, I think Daryl had a, has a tough job and his, you know, he, he you just, just not something you can do in a, uh, two off seasons trying to move the Al Horford thing. And first of all, trying to fix what was there and then make it what it should be. Yeah. He needs more time. I think we're going to see a, a really, really, really good Sixers team next season. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I do have to admit though, I'm a little bit frustrated. You know, when you think back, you know, the last couple of years, we made it to game seven of the second round twice. We haven't been out of the second round since 2001. We made it to the second round, game seven twice, we had Brett Brown as a coach one time. We had a guy that wouldn't shoot a basketball. We had another guy that didn't really fit well. And, I mean, we got to that point, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit frustrating to me, just hoping and, you know, praying that it all comes together for Joel in this time. But I, I don't think it's anything to do with Joel Embiid. Um, you know, I think he's going to be great uh, for at least a couple more years. Um, but like DJ said, we got to we got to do the right things around him, man. Um, we got to make this team a winner. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, Mr. Roddy with the five dollar donation says, if there was a person to blame for ending the process, it got to Elton Brand staying with Brett Brown too long. Toby, the Max, Al Horford, and Doc signing. Can't say I disagree. Um, we kind of went backwards before we went uh, forwards there. And then Aaron with the five dollar donation, he says, I have a horrible feeling that. In five to ten years, we look back and realize we shouldn't trade for Tyrese Halliburton. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Man. I, don't hate that take. <laughs> I don't hate that take. I don't hate the take, but I, I, I just hope James Harden comes out and is ready to go, man. That's what I mm -hmm. hope. I, you know, I actually think it's a little bit good in in some way because, um, you know, the Sixers kind of don't have as much pressure on them now. Now I'm not saying they don't have pressure, but it's not like everybody saying favorite, 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 right? Teams are, you know, people are kind of just like looking us over now. So, you know, maybe we can get a little bit of a rhythm going and, and hopefully win a series. Um, but I respect the take, man. And then Seth says, love Grimm's answer. I've been saying next year is our year. I love it, man. So before we get out of here again, shout out to all you guys for being on, man. Really appreciate it. We got four 30 uh, up in the house, man. Um, I'll leave the floor up to you guys, man. Your final take, what you're hoping for, um, you know, as we get ready. I mean, a couple days away, man. Like, <laughs> this, this series is coming up on us quick, man. And, you know, take take it away. What do you guys think? You know, what what's your final thoughts on everything? I, I think uh, uh, it all goes back to what I said in the beginning. I, I think that James Harden is going to come out of the gates blazing and he might kind of trail off a little bit, and that's kind of where you hope Joel, Tyrese, and, and Tobias kind of pick up the slack. But I think game games one and two, I think you'll see James Harden really look like the older James Harden. I'm not saying he's going to average 30 a game because I don't think that's feasible, but I think him averaging 20 or 25 and 10, I think that's sustainable for this series. So that's my ultimate prediction. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I want to see this team come out and scrap. I feel like there's been a lot of uh, games this season where there hasn't been the full like foot on the gas feeling throughout the entirety of the game. And this is a Raptors team that you're going to need to be ready for for, for war with. So I, I need them to compete. Uh, the things like on the offensive rebounds, uh, getting back in transition, just the little effort things I think are going to make a huge difference in this series. And everybody just simply has to do their job. Uh, Embiid needs to make the right reads when the doubles are too heavy. Uh, the supporting cast needs to knock down the shots when they get the open threes that will be there. And uh, I, I still believe uh, as frustrating as a draw as this matchup is, this is still the season. This has been Joel Embiid's year and everybody else has just been in it. So let's see Joel do his thing and six years and seven. Yeah, I'll keep it simple, man. Uh, any means possible win the series. You you know, even if next year's our year or whatever, you cannot lose in the first round, man. We will. They will never let this die down. Uh, any means possible, get it done and win the series. That's I'm keeping it as simple as that. And DJ, you weren't in here, but we just went around and pretty much gave like our uh, just our final take, our final thoughts. Uh, you know, on the series as a whole, just reflecting on it. So, take it. You know, finish us off, man. Yeah, my bad. I, I lost. I completely lost audio. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I can't hear anything in my headphones. I don't know what happened, but uh, um, yeah. Sixers and six. Toronto's gonna 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 make it look ugly. Uh, a couple of these games. Um, Joel Embiid is going to be an absolute force. Uh, that people kind of forget about because of, like I said, how how he's how he plays down the towards the end of a season. He's very smart these days. He knows what he's doing with his body, and he knows what he's doing with conserving himself towards the playoffs. Um, give me twenty and ten from James Harden, uh, and you know, I, if we play, I don't even think we have to play our best, best, best basketball to win this series in six. I just think we we have to. We can't be the worst version of ourselves. This team is sometimes very, very good, sometimes very, very bad, uh, but. Sixers in six. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's not going to be fun at times, but it's going to be entertaining yep. at, at the end of the day. But yeah, yep. Sixers in six. Sorry, Raps fans and all of you guys in the chat saying sweep. I mean, come on, man. There's no way you're serious. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. Seth with the $2 donation says, great stream. Loved all the takes and bead for MVP. Uh, shout out to these guys for coming on. Shout out to everybody in the chat. I want to thank you guys for uh you know coming on and talking. I thought this was really good. Um quick hour and uh you know maybe we can do it again even during the series or after or, or whatever. Um uh, but yeah, shout out to all these guys. Follow them on Twitter, YouTube, everywhere they're posting content man. Uh our Twitter names are there at RB Philly Take Sean Bernard one Harrison underscore Grimm and run it back Philly. Um yeah guys I really appreciate all you guys coming on and doing this man. Yeah. I appreciate you for having me. Uh, great talking with all you guys. Appreciate appreciate the invite. Good good stream with you guys. Go Sixers. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for joining. Um, and you know, you guys gave me some some optimism. Um, Sixers and six. You know. Let's go, man. Let's go. Hey, everybody out there, have a great night. And uh, it's coming up soon, man. Catch you on the next one. Peace.